When we socialize with professional strategists, we all presume we know exactly what that person does and how they do it. The truth is, when we start getting more information and asking more questions, we realize we really didn't know what they did or the way they made an impact. I am a tactical marketing strategist. You would think when I'm sitting across from another strategist that I would have a pretty good read on their skill and methods, but I didn't. What I did learn was valuable and I had more questions, so I figured I would do an interview with this strategist and share it with my listeners. That strategist is Alex Brookman. Alex originated from Germany and now resides in Canada. He has 15 years experience working with some huge brands and I met him while he was completing his first book and growing a business that is its goal to facilitate strategy for small businesses, entrepreneurs, even solopreneurs. What makes this interesting, most small businesses or solo operators don't usually get access to this type of help and most of the time they can't imagine the impact it can make during this stage of their business. So you and they are about to find out otherwise. I asked Alex questions that I think most small operators would want the answers to. And it opened my eyes up to what was possible when you can get a guy like this helping you find the best way forward. Here's the interview. I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to It All Works. This is episode 26, The ROI of Strategy. Welcome, Alex. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you very much, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm even better now that I get to interview you. I want to say before we get started that you've had a profound impact on my point of view on strategy because I'm a tactical marketing strategist, so I heavily rely on data to help my clients. And because it's tactical, I'm helping people plan and execute tasks that are for their more immediate marketing goals. Now, the more I learned about what you do, and the impact you can make on a person or business, I need the answers to some deeper and more direct questions. Because once I understood the impact you can make, I had to share it with listeners and an audience that might not realize the full potential of what you can do for an entrepreneur. And this kind of guidance and help is inaccessible to them only if they knew about it. So I don't usually ask my guests the usual questions. I prefer to get right down to business. This way, there's no fluff and just the good stuff. So the first question I want to ask you is, what is the ROI or the return on investment of strategy? So when we talk about ROI, what people often think of is I put some money in and then I get more money back, hopefully. So you have a positive return on investment. When it comes to strategic planning, long-term strategy, the ROI is obviously hopefully positive, but that's not really the point. You don't measure it in terms of money. What you really need to ask yourself is what happens if I don't do strategic planning? That means most likely your business is going to fail uh, because everyone else does strategic planning. So the cost of no action is devastating versus the cost of action, the return on investment on working on strategy is hopefully a thriving business. But you don't know until you actually have your strategy in place and you implement it. You can, you, it, it's kind of like asking yourself, if I cannot swim and I want to swim to this island over there, what are, what are the chances of me getting there alive? You can stay on land because it's safe, but 
you know, if you really want to get to that island, you better learn how to swim. So what I'm getting from your answer is without a strategic plan, you greatly increase the chances that your business could fail or that you could do miserable, right? The other thing is, I think there is an ROI. At the end of the tunnel, there is an ROI. Like it's hard to say, you know, if I put in a thousand, I get 10,000. But what I'm saying is, is that there is an ROI in this fact that your business could actually grow faster or be more profitable all the way through this process. There is no question about that. Yes. I mean, the businesses that I've worked with, they have 10 times, 20 times their revenues. They have um, lowered their cost base significantly. The ROI is always positive. That's not the question. And very often it's extremely positive. But most people don't understand that topic because they have no idea of what strategy actually is. So when you tell them, um, you're going to 10 times your revenue, they're like, but how, how am I going to do that? And so before we, before we actually talk about strategy, very often what I talk about with, with potential clients of mine or with people that I generally talk about the topic is help them understand that if you do not move, everyone else around you will. You will just stay stagnant and your business will not develop. Um, and I, I give you a very concrete example. When you, when you take a look at, um, let's, let's take IBM. IBM, large company, everyone knows them. They pivoted from computers to services around anything digital. That was something that did not just come out of thin air. There were people sitting there and were asking themselves, what is the market that we want to compete in? What are the services that our clients will need in the future? And then they took a decision, a strategic decision to shift their portfolio. If they hadn't done that, they would still sell computers and probably not as successfully as someone like Microsoft because that's their chosen marketplace. That's what they wanted to do. That's their thing. And you need to be intentional about what you do. You can't just sit there and be like, I'm going to sell candy for the rest of my life. That's just not going to work. Well, candy probably will work because everyone loves candy, but you know. And you know what the funny thing is about IBM is is their strategy is solid. But the funny thing is, is they actually probably did the exact same thing 60 years ago when they entered into computers and machines when nobody else was there. They came into the market and they took up a lot of space and then everybody else gradually came into it. Now they've got into the services and guess what? Everybody else is going that way. I think this question is probably suitable considering what you just said. What is the most misunderstood thing about a strategic facilitator or consultant? This is a good question. Oy, where do I start? Um, it's that much. It, it is a ton. Let, let's unpack it a bit. So first of all, when we talk about strategy consultants, what people often have in mind are people like the McKinsey's of this world. Big strategy management consulting companies that come in that help you define your strategy, um, that do a ton of work for you, um, all kinds of analysis. And they, at the end, hand over a huge plan, 400 page PowerPoint deck, and, and that's their strategy then, right? So a consultant is someone who tells you what to do. A facilitator is someone who comes in and creates the space to help you figure out what you want to do. There is a huge difference. A consultant brings short-term knowledge and short-term capacity, right? So 
you ramp up your um, human resources by hiring consultants that come in for a certain amount of time um, and that hand over what they have, knowledge, time, um, speed very often. And a facilitator helps you create ownership and accountability for where you wanna go. The difference is, I give you a very concrete example. When I started my career as a strategy consultant, I was an in-house strategy consultant. So I worked for a large organization and I was in charge for managing um, a certain part of that company strategy. We worked with a whole bunch of different um, external management consulting companies, one of them being McKinsey. So McKinsey came in, they did a great project with us. I enjoyed it a lot, I learned a lot. And then, as I already said, they handed over this big PowerPoint presentation. And everyone in that company was referring to our new corporate strategy as the McKinsey strategy. They didn't say our strategy. They didn't say the company name strategy. It was just McKinsey's strategy. And when that whole thing went south a few years um, in the future, no one took accountability and responsibility for it because it wasn't them who created it. It was McKinsey who created it. So when you live, when you work in a large organization, they would often bring these big consultants in to, to cover their backs because, hey, McKinsey told us that this would be the right move, right? So when you're unsure, when you're insecure, when you are um, working in an environment where, um, let's say you have a pretty dysfunctional leadership team where everyone's fighting for their own silos, then you would bring in a company like that because they kind of are accepted as an authority. When you have ideas and a healthy culture where um, people love to discuss and find the best way forward with each other, not against each other, then bringing in a facilitator is the better way because that person holds the space for you. That person makes sure that your discussions don't go down a rabbit hole, but that you get the best out of people's heads. So a facilitator helps you tap into your full potential and create a plan that's based on your ideas where you feel you want to go. And at some point in that process, you actually might want to bring in the McKinsey's of this world because as I already said, speed, human resources, and a ton of knowledge. But you would, you would tap into, into these resources, um, for example, to verify some um, assumptions that you have or to do some deep analysis in a certain area. You would not bring them in to steer the process for you. I guess that's the biggest differences between a facilitator and a consultant. So if you're a facilitator, and I know you, you mentioned McKenzie, who would, would probably come in and serve a big company, but when you deal as a facilitator, how small a business can you work right all the way down to? Do you need to have multiple people for a facilitator to be effective or can it just be a solopreneur? Me personally, uh, the smallest company that I work for are two ladies. It's two people. It's a startup, um, two years old. And um, there, is, there is just, I mean, this intimacy, the two me in a room talking about where they want to be and me asking the questions that they need to uh, get their head around in order to figure out what matters most. And the biggest companies, I mean, they're global brands that I work with. These projects typically take um, 
a lot of time and are very long. Um, whereas the, the smaller businesses that I work with, we're literally talking about a few weeks. They bring me in for three, four sessions and that's it. And then they are, they are good to go. They, they know where they want to be. They know where to focus on. I just help them create that clarity and direction. I don't come in and tell them, this is what your business should look like in five years because me, Alex, tells you so. That's just not how it works. Be because they have all the knowledge that they need. Typically, entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs because they have a certain subject matter expertise in a certain area. I could never have that knowledge. But that's not why they bring me in. They don't bring me in for the knowledge my opinion about what I think they should do. People bring a strategy facilitator in to help them ask, the, an, ask and answer the right questions that help them create the direction and clarity that they need in order to get everything off the table that will not help them to get where they want to be. So based off of just asking the right questions, which I think is one of the most powerful things people can do in business is always asking the right questions. You really could help a single individual a solo entrepreneur if they ask for your help sure yes absolutely yeah, that's awesome when you go about asking the right questions what is it that you're really looking for in the other person well in in, in the business that you're dealing with what, what is it you're searching for as a as a facilitator the first thing that i typically help people understand is what the unique values that they bring to the world and when i say world i mean their clients, the communities around them. Um, a, a good strategy is a good plan. A great strategy is a good plan with a clear value proposition. So you need to understand what it is that your customers, your clients value in working with you. There are certain tools like value mapping that you can use. But even before you get there, you need to have a good idea of why does anyone want to work with you anyway? Why do they hire you? Let's say you're a photographer. Um, why do they want to hire you? There's a million people down the road that do exactly the same thing. So why you? What makes you different? What makes you so unique that someone picks you over the other million people who do the same thing? And let's be honest, there is hardly any profession in the world that doesn't have a, a competitor. So there is always someone else who is a me too. So what makes you stand out among all the me too's? That's the first thing that you should ask and, and should answer. If you can't find a clear answer to that, yeah, think about it as long as you have an answer because everything else that you wanna do afterwards revolves around that question. Your unique values needs to sit in the center of your strategy. It's interesting that you would start right there because a lot of the people that I deal with, I try to help them with their niche or their market segment. And I find that most of them, their compass is broken when it comes to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. they, they, they know, they internally know what they want to do and what they actually do and, and everything, but they do not know how to translate that and target their market, and in your particular case, how to compete with their competition using that information. And I feel like there's people that probably have wandered around maybe for the first two years of their business and had no idea, or at least dealt in vagaries and, and, and the way they approached um, competing in the open market with the information that they have without consulting anybody. There are people like you and me who do what we do for a living because of a reason. 
there is yes. a market around there. If everyone knew how to niche down and find their ideal client, if everyone knew how to create strategy, this would yeah. be an amazing world, but it would make you and me unemployed. So <laughs> the weird part is the more I hear about it, the more I can see the impact, the more I can see how much it can impact even just a single person running their own business. If they just got that kind of guidance, it would just give them such a huge head start over their competition. People that I work with have been in the business for a long time. And you would, you would want to assume that once someone is in an industry for 10 years or so, they have it figured out, right? They have it all figured out. But that's when they realize that they haven't. Because it's that daily grind, year on year. You don't move. You, you've reached that, that revenue goal that you had 10 years ago. And you've reached it maybe five years ago already. But you're not making any progress. And you're not working less. You're working more and more. And it's just not giving you the life that you wanted to live. It's then when you realize that you hit that glass ceiling and that you, you already prove, proven to yourself that you can do it but there is this, there's something holding you back. It's, it's just like, I don't know, take a Formula One car and pour um, vegetable oil in it. That's not going to work. But if you pour the right fuel into it, that thing is off to the races. So it really depends on figuring out what's holding you back. And people that start a new business often don't have the, the, the bandwidth, the capacity to think about these things. They are all in there. They're just super excited. And once they've been into it for a few years and the initial excitement has kind of vanished, they realize that they need help um, and that they should talk to someone who specializes in that kind of topic. And that's when they reach out. So the people that I typically work with, they aren't startups in the sense that they are new. Most of them have been around for quite some time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I see a lot of people that have been in business for a few years and they are so stuck in the trenches of, of doing the battle of commerce that they honestly, they don't see a lot of other things after that. They're succeeding, but they are, they're so in the trenches that it's just hard for them to pull themselves out of it. I'm assuming that a lot of times when you deal with people and help them, uh, let's say year three, year five or year 10, that a lot of them are questioning why they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, this is like you ask this 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 sentence. I wish I would have done that sooner. You say that like two or three times in your life. First, when you finally have your own business yeah. after working for big corporate for twenty years. So that's the first time you say it. And the second time is when you when you figure out that you should have talked to someone who is who helps entrepreneurs. Um, to figure out their unique value, their unique niche, these questions that you have never asked yourself before. When, when, you, when you've reached a certain point in your career, you always have to ask yourself, or you should ask yourself, what made me successful up until now? And what will make me successful in my new venture? And you will realize that some of the things that made you successful will be very helpful in the future. But as Marshall Goldsmith already wrote a, a great book about, what got you here won't get you necessarily there. Oh. So there are skills that you need to acquire that you have no idea about. It's like you can't possibly learn something that you don't know is out there. 
So that, that, that's one of the things that many people that I work with um, struggle with, kind of, if I only had known that there was someone who could help me with that. But the problem is the moment you can't tell someone about something if they don't realize that it's a problem. They need to feel it first. They need to experience that pain first, which is ironic because in an ideal world, you start working on a strategy when things are great, when you don't feel pain. Because when you feel pain, for some it's too late. They just ran out of, out of um, how do you say that? Out of runway. So they, they don't have enough money left or time left to get their business off the ground. Or um, they just fell out of love with their business already. It's a very strange thing because there are very few people that when things are going good, that they look at strategy and go, I want to go faster. So I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. It's most of us that will actually say something's going wrong. Something needs to be fixed. Yeah. That's right, it's not about fixing things. That, that's what, happens, this point. what happens when we go beyond finding their unique value? What, what happens next? The moment you know what your unique value is, the moment you can actually start building a business around that value. So um, whom, whom are you going to serve in the future? Is that the same group? Or have you learned something on the way that is also applicable to another target client, for example? Um, you can ask yourself questions about scaling. Do I take what I have built and just make it as big as I possibly can? What are the systems and processes that I need in order to scale, for example? So one of the greatest examples that I have, how you should not do it, um, the business I once worked with, when I, when I came into the business, I realized that they had a, it was a small company, they had a full-blown Salesforce license, but they only had 10 clients. So why do you spend thousands a year on a system where no data is in? There's just not what you should do. You don't build your systems before you have like data or clients to fill into that system. So you should do it the other way around. You should, first of all, understand what your value is. You should have proof of concept, meaning clients that are willing to pay. And once you realize that you have more clients than you can actually handle, then it's time to rethink that success because obviously you're onto something. And then you can put systems and structures in place that help you scale and leverage your value. So it's safe to assume that once you get that value question answered, that's when the real games begin. And there's a lot of things that you can help people with to take that information and go forward with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it can be anything around global footprint or uh, local footprint, or it can be around questions like, how do we actually leverage our business as a force for good? How do we give back in a sense that it's not necessarily financial, but how can we use the purchasing power that we have, or how, how can we use the influence that we have on society, on our business partners um, to be a force for, for good, for example. So I know we sort of touched on this and I'm pretty sure there isn't one singular answer, but when is the best time for people to do some realistic strategic planning or hire a strategic facilitator or consultant? Yesterday. It's the short answer. Yesterday would have been a good time. Um, and you're, you're not biased because you do it. You're no. being 
you're being very genuine about this. Yes, I'm very genuine. Even if I smile and if I joke about it, the best, the best moment would have been yesterday. The next best is today. And I just finished writing a new book. And this part is, is key in the book. When is the right time? When should you hire a consultant? When should you bring in a strategy facilitator? And I, I, love, um, I love this quote of, what was his name? The guy who, the, the founder of Hewlett Packard. It's, it's gone. Anyway, the founder of Hewlett Packard famously said, only the paranoid will survive. And he actually wrote a book with the same title. And parent, being paranoid simply means that you see a chance or a threat when everyone around you doesn't see it yet. That's what, that's what makes you paranoid. Even if there is a threat or a chance, the fact that no one else sees it makes you the weird one. So be the weird one. Because the moment you are the weird one, the moment you will act when you see the threat or when you see the chance. Everyone else is complacent. People are complacent. People, businesses are complacent. They sit around, enjoy the good times as long as they can. They only realize when it's too late that it is too late. So be, be a bit paranoid. Just realize that there is something out there that you haven't seen yet. That, that is around the corner. And let's be frank, the last 10 years, 15 years, the last 15 years, since, since 2008, since the financial crisis, this economy has been a mess. One crisis was chasing the next. And the next crisis is just around the corner. So you can't possibly be too paranoid. You need to ask yourself, how can I prep my business now for the next crisis around the corner? That in itself, is strategic thinking. You know, it, yeah, it totally makes sense because most of the time, once the crisis is on you, it's so much harder to deal with. Just take a look around what happened over the past two years um, since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. How many businesses went out, out of business? How many people just didn't have a business case anymore? There was no market anymore. There was no opportunity anymore um, to engage with your clients for whichever reasons. I mean, sorry, but you need to bulletproof your business to a certain degree. I'm not saying you should have seen COVID-19 happen. That's ridiculous. But did you have any sort of crisis um, reaction mechanism in place? Did you know what to do? Kind of what is your procedure when X, Y, Z happens to your business? You need to know what are the strategic levers in your business and what do you do? How do you react? If something goes south, if someone chops off a leg, do you just do you just fall down, or do you have two um, crutches that help you walk, as long as the leg grows again, or you have a you know an artificial leg? It's just you need to ask yourself these questions as a business, and that's just crisis prevention, and and strategy is not always about crisis prevention. It is a part of that. Having a proper strategy in place means being able to embrace opportunities when they come around the corner. It's not just about the threats, it's also about the opportunities. But when you, when you talk about inflection points, when, when something happens around you are, you, are you in a position to react? If one of your competitors goes bankrupt, are you in a position to take over those clients? Are you in a position to buy out machinery and ramp up your production? 
I mean, these these are real life questions that I discussed with clients of mine. And I'm sure there's like, people that were in that situation that were going, geez, I wish I was prepared for that opportunity. Exactly. And and sometimes it's really, it's the small things. But as we already discussed, most people, as long as their business is running fairly well, as long as they make the money they think is okay, they don't think about these questions. And only when it's too late, they start thinking about these questions. But then we talk about restructuring. We're not talking about strategy anymore. Restructuring is not strategy. That's what people need to understand. If you, if you need a cost-cutting plan in order to survive, that's not strategy. If you need to, um, if you need to say, let restructure your business because a, a whole type of client group all of a sudden disappeared for whichever reason, that's not strategy. Strategy is sitting down, asking yourself, based on the success that we have today, what can we actually do with that? What would be our next good growth step? How can we pivot as long as we can pivot? I, I just love all these answers. Well, these were questions. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that question, those questions came at the end of the answer, but I, I just love the answer <laughs> to the actual original question. The next one's a little bit different. You did strategy for massive companies, big yeah. European players or international companies for that matter. And now you're, you've taken on um, a new challenge and you, you've, you're writing this book. And usually when people write books, it's to help more people. And the type of consulting you do and who you're doing it for has changed now quite a bit from what you were doing previously. So how does a consultant from a large corporation, how are you able to now come down off of this pedestal everybody has you on, so to speak, and help the small businesses and the solopreneurs of the world? How are you able to take that and help them? First of all, I don't think I'm on a pedestal. Um, no, I'm I didn't of... say you put yourself there. <laughs> everybody else put you there. That's the misconception. Yeah, probably you're right. Um, I, actually, I actually think that I come out of a hole right now because there is only a very finite number of large corporations in the world that you can work for that have the money and the capacity to engage someone like me for 12, 18, 24 months, more or less 50% of your capacity. Um, and those projects are very long and very intense and you don't see the results of your work typically because they materialize maybe five years down the road. I've done that for 15 years now. I loved it and I still love it and I still work for some of these large corporations. But what I realized is the smaller the businesses were that I worked with, they always had the same problems like the big ones. It was always the same questions. It was always the same mindset that was lacking. It was the same tools that weren't there. You, you, you should believe that big corporations have it all figured out, kind of. They are not those perfect machines as people often think. They, have this, they are made up of individuals, of human beings, and human beings are the same whether they run a small business or a big business. We need this, it's the same tools, the same processes, the same characteristics that, that you see at play or not at play that make people bring in someone like me. So the thing is, once I've realized that what I've learned over those 15 years is applicable to a solopreneur as much as it is applicable to a global brand, 
I just needed to figure out how do I translate corporate strategic lingo into something that everyone can use without having me walking side by side for 18 months. So it was about making this topic of strategy, business strategy, understandable, accessible for someone who does not have a business background, for example, who speaks a different language. Because let's be frank, most business owners do not have a background in business strategy or in business administration or in management. They have a background in a certain subject matter. That's what they are selling, for example, right? If you have a background in candy production, you love candy. That's, that's the, the way you came. You, you grew in your subject matter expertise to a certain point, and now you need different expertise around you. You need someone who helps you with your taxes, maybe. And you should always think about someone who helps you with your strategy. And translating all that knowledge into tools that anyone can use without me having to explain them. Let's be frank, that was a challenge. It took me two or three years to get to that point where I'm like confident that I can hand over a deck of um, template, for example, to a solopreneur and be like, check it out, run with it, call me when you have a question. That's a completely different approach. And going back to the beginning of my answer, coming out of that, that, that hole, now all of a sudden, I'm hopefully able to help a huge number of people at the same time, help them move fast, um, rather than working for a small number of large corporations at one time, I can work with a huge number of small corporations at the same time hopefully having a very strong impact on the success that they have in the future. Now, I said they, small companies and big companies are very much alike in many instances, but there is one distinct difference. A small business is so much faster. When they want to do something, they can do it. They just do it. And by that definition, or as a result of that, um, flexibility and agility that they have, I see the results of my work all of a sudden. And that is just hugely motivational for me personally. It gives, it gives me so much joy to see small businesses work with me over a few weeks or month and then off to the races. And uh, yeah, half a year later, you already see the results and people are super over the moon and that, that motivates me. So what are the most significant signs that a strategic plan has helped an entrepreneur or a business move forward and succeed faster than it would without it. Well, apparently, um, if you have a good strategic plan in place that help, that is built around your unique value, you should see more uh, clients coming down the road. You should see more success financially, but you should also see, depending on the size of your organization, that there's just a lot of friction that is gone. Very often, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been there, when you work in, in a business, you're like, I don't understand why we're doing this. Why, why am I supposed to do that instead of this? It's, this doesn't make any sense. They are all doing this. Why am I doing that? Um, and when you talk to your boss about it, your boss doesn't even have an answer. That's very typical for, for an organization from a certain size upwards where people just don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They don't see their individual contribution to strategy, to the overall bigger picture, because no one ever explained it to them 
because their entire, let's say, incentive and remuneration system is not in line with the corporate strategy. You are being incentivized and paid for one thing, but actually your business needs something else. And all these frictions all of a sudden are gone because you align your entire business around where you want to be in the next two to three years, maybe five. And you get rid of these friction points. And by getting rid of these frictions, at the same time, you refocus your people on pulling the right strings into the right direction. And imagine if everyone in an organization does exactly what needs to be done, not because they have to, but because they understand how they as individuals contribute to the bigger picture. That in itself is one of the biggest motivating pieces in someone's work, understanding how you contribute to a bigger picture. It's interesting that you would bring up the word friction because it, that has a few different meanings in business, but in the way that you said it, I sometimes feel that the friction people feel in their business, they mistaken for the grind that they're supposed to face and that the hardship they're supposed to overcome by being an entrepreneur and they mistake it. And, the, and because they, they think it's part of the grind, it's almost like they embrace it. They keep on, keep on, keep on going to battle with it as opposed to fixing it. I don't believe that an entrepreneur should have a grind. I don't, I don't think that's good. I have a two-year-old son. Um, that is my full focus in my life. It's not my business. I don't work 60 hours a week. I'm not crazy. I only have this one life and I only have this one son. So I think as an entrepreneur, you should be very intentional how you spend your time. And the moment you have a clear strategy in place, the moment all this FOMO goes away because you're not thinking, oh my God, I still need to do this. And oh, my competition is doing that. I also need to do that. You're just adding on top, on top, on top. And you burn yourself out at some point in time. You fall out of love with your business because it's that grind that grinds you. And you should just not engage with it. Have a clear strategy in place, have a clear direction, have clarity. And, you, and, and, and a lot of things will just fall off your plate because you realize that you don't need them anymore. And you move from FOMO to JOMO, the joy of missing out, because you're like, hey, that's fine. I don't need that. And I'm totally happy with it. It's an interesting concept. You basically touched on it, but I want to ask you, what are some of the, the ancillary or bonus side effects from having or, or like having a strategy or getting outside strategic help? First of all, it helps you focus your business on what you really want to do. So if I asked you, where do you want your business to be in three to five years? You probably have a fuzzy idea, but do you have a clear picture? I don't know. Having that clarity in place is absolutely essential for everything else. So those fringe benefits that come with it, they all come from having that clarity. For example, um, being able to take eight weeks of vacation a year as a business owner. I, for example, um, I take at least two or three times a year, at least two or three weeks because I need it. I need it to unwind. I need it to recharge and I owe it to my family. The reason I am self-employed is because I want to spend more time with my family and build a life that allows us to travel, to enjoy time together. It's not that I want to become rich and famous. That's not the point. The point is that you only have this one life and you better make sure that it's, that it's a life worth lived in the end. And um, I, I'm a strong believer in creating a living legacy not a legacy in the sense that I hand down a house and a big bank account when I die. 
but that the people that I in, engage with, and that's my family, that's my friends, that's my clients, that they are better off because I was with them, not because I gave them some awesome tools and knowledge or um, the best education they could get or God knows what it is. So it's really about these, these human moments in life that you as an entrepreneur should thrive, strive for because it's not the business. It's the results that you have a successful business that you want. The business as such is just a generator of wealth and of hope and of joy, hopefully. But in the end, it's about the time you spend with the people you love. So if that's a motivator for you, if, that, if the reason why you went into entrepreneurship in the first place had anything to do with about being independent and, and your own boss, being in charge of your own time, then there is no way around having a good strategy in place because that will enable you to live that life eventually. And I suppose that that with all of that, I mean, it's there's a common thing that everybody gets affected by in that stress. And I'm assuming that this is a great stress reducing exercise. Yeah, I don't feel stressed necessarily. Um, and it's, I mean, I, it's weird to say because strategy is everything I do. The, the thing is, I also do it for myself. I sit down at least three to four times a year and revisit my strategic plan and ask myself, am I still on the right track? Does, do the assumptions still hold true that I put into, in as a foundation for that business case? And it just is a huge um, pressure relief valve for me to know that I know what I'm doing. I am not hoping that this will work. I know that this is the best shot that I have. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, that's also fine. So there are no regrets in the end. And that relieves a lot of stress. So you check in with yourself to make sure you're still on the right path. You think that's something that when people work with the strategic advisor or facilitator, that that, that is occasionally something they should do as well? First of all, you need to have that clarity in place. So building a, a strong business strategy is step number one. But then what do you do with it is even more important. There is no perfect strategy. You cannot create or design a perfect strategy that does not exist, something like I've never seen it at least. <laughs> you're, trying, you're still trying to optimize. Exactly, that's the point. So once you feel like that's good enough to start implementing, start implementing and give it everything you have. But don't do it blindly. Check in with yourself regularly and ask yourself, am I still on the right track here? Have I, have I taken on things that are not in my plan? And if so, why did I do that? Is there something that I already finished and therefore have the capacity for something else in my strategic plan? You can't do everything at the same time. So you need to prioritize. And if you've finished a certain project, can I take on another now? So all these questions are part of a process where you continually optimize your strategy implementation. And once a year, you should sit down and ask yourself, 12 years rolling, what, are the, what, what do the 12 months after my initial plan look like? So it's not just having a two-year strategy in place, head down, working for two years, trying to implement it, and then start all, all over again. That's not a smart way of doing it. It's like having a, a three-year strategy in place 
where um, you are very, very clear about the next 12 months, maybe the next 18 even, and then you, you just continue on a rolling basis to um, intensify your view on that future and go always these 12 to 18 months into the future. By doing that, you get into this mode of, I know where this is going, not in this, I wish this would be going. So having a, a rolling forecast, a rolling strategic plan in place is something that lets you sleep well at night. I suppose it's really important considering all the stuff that we've been through. I mean, things change. Sometimes it's huge yeah. things that change. So, you know, obviously you need to adapt to that, but it, it obviously makes it easier when you check in with yourself and make sure that, that you're doing the optimal thing under the circumstances and and the way the world is today and possibly tomorrow. And obviously that can change. When you work with people, this is a bit of a more personal question. What is it, the common thing? What is the most common thing that you hope to achieve with the clients you work with? What are you hoping they achieve? People that I work with, and, and I'm talking about entrepreneurs now, solopreneurs, um, smaller business owners. I'm not talking about the huge brands those people have a very, very strong connection between who they are as an individual and the business that they run to a degree where this can be unhealthy. So if you blend your personality too much with your business success, if your business success becomes you as a person, that is kind of unhealthy. So what I, what I hope to achieve with the people, first of all, is to decouple their individual success as a human being from their business success. Yes, as an entrepreneur, this is a huge thing. It plays a huge role, but you are more than just your business. And once people understand that they are more than just their business, that in turn helps them create the business that serves them, not the other way around. So you are not the server of your business, but the business serves you. That is the common theme. And if I, if I achieve that, it's light bulb moments for people because all of a sudden they are not their, their servant anymore. They become their master. Um, and it's really interesting to see what that does to businesses. Because when people understand who they are and, what, and the life that they want to live, they all of a sudden understand that the business that they are currently running might not really serve that purpose. So you recreate the intent of your life and turn it into an impact. So use your business as something that furthers the life that you want to live and don't live just for your business. The moment you realize that, you build this future into your, into your vision statement, into the future description of your business. And by default, whatever you're gonna do afterwards, because your strategy is derived from that vision statement, whatever you do afterwards, by default, because you designed it that way, will help you live that life and build that business. But the first step is really to understand that you are not your business and therefore understanding how your business can serve the bigger, the bigger purpose that you have in your life, the, the impact that you want to see in your life. That was so much a better answer than I actually thought it would be. 
<laughs> I'm glad. I know you're working on the book, and I'm not sure exactly when it's coming out, but I'm excited for it. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot to gain from it. But in the meantime, where is the best place for people to find you and connect with you? I'm working on two books right now, actually. Um, the first book will hopefully be out in September um, this year, so 2022. And the other book will likely be out in 2023. Um, if you don't want to wait that long, just check out my website, alexthestrategist.com. Right there on the landing page, for example, there's a button that says learn more that brings you directly to a strategy toolkit. It's a free 20-page toolkit with a ton of questions. You can immediately start working to build your own strategy. If you want to have a conversation, you can also do that. Um, there is um, a link on my website where you can directly book a free call with me to talk about your strategy, um, no strings attached. So I'm, I'm an open book. I'm always giving everything I have. So be it the toolkit, be it a call. I don't hold anything back. I just believe in transparency. If you want to engage with me and if you want to help, if, if you want help with your strategy, Let's talk, hop on a call. I'm always there. Great. I'm, I think a lot of people are going to benefit from either one of those things. Anyways, okay. thank you very much for doing this interview. There is a ton of great content in this and a ton of valuable information. And I hope our listeners really, really enjoy it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It All Works podcast. If you have any questions, please go to the website, itallworks.com, and you'll see an opportunity at the bottom where you can ask your questions and submit your comments. As always, I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to speaking with you next week. Thanks for sharing your time with me. Take care.